Makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Purine and Pret Cooking Fat, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, Maple Margarine and Niblet's Cheese Twists present The Epic Casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. Man proposes, but fate disposes. No, no, I'm not about to embark on some profound philosophical thesis. It was just that as I was gazing through my casebook in order to find a story in which my line of investigation and the surrounding circumstances differed from those I've related recently, I came across a number of crimes that might have gone into the unsolved section of our files had it not been for some chance act that no one could have anticipated. It is this seemingly trivial and unpredictable intervention in the course of human activity which makes the perfect crime almost impossible. Had not a dear old lady dreamt that there was gold underneath the cement floor of the garage and paid for it to be dug up, the body of the previous tenant, Mrs. Mayhew, would never have been discovered and her husband would have gone unpunished. Had not a dog being exercised decided to go chasing after a cat in Boreham Woods, Olive Henderson's body would have remained undiscovered until the following morning, by which time her killer would have escaped overseas. As it was, George Barker was arrested as he was about to board a ship. Take the story I'm going to tell you tonight. Had a holidaymaker not inserted his sixpence in the telescope on the top of Marlow Cliffs, he would not have seen Stephen Mannering disappear from the dinghy from which he was fishing, would not have raised the alarm, and his body might never have been found. Let me tell you about it. I've called my story, The Waters of Death. The holidaymaker was a Mr. Patrick Scott. He rushed to report the incident and to seek assistance. Both he and those who went to rescue the man from the sea thought that they were taking part in a rescue operation as a result of an accident. Certainly they did not expect to find Stephen Mannering dead, nor that his death was caused by a blunt instrument, and not by drowning. Car speaking. Operations here, Inspector. Oh, who or what is it this time? Devon, County Constabulary, seeking assistance. Someone identified as Stephen Mannering. Coshed on the head and thrown into the sea. The sea, you say? Where? Marlow. It's a nice time of the year, sir. Yes, it is indeed. Are they expecting us down there straight away? Yes, sir. A body was found yesterday afternoon. Sergeant Matthews is in charge of the local station. Right. Well, tell him I'm on my way. And first, I want to talk to this holidaymaker, Patrick Scott. Well, now, this is the spot, Inspector. Ah, a delightful spot it is, too. Oh, this is the telescope. Yes. It'd be quite a shock, I can tell you. Yes, I'm sure I did, Mr. Scott. Now, you put your sixpence in this machine like... Yes, so. That's right, sir. Yes. And you got a magnificent view of the bay. 
Yes, indeed, it is a magnificent view. Hmm. No boats or anything at the moment. Well, there wasn't any yesterday afternoon except the one dinghy. Well, you couldn't tell. You couldn't see anything clearly unless you looked through this telescope. Uh, did you focus the telescope on the dinghy all the time? Oh, no, no, Inspector. No, I arrived at the Marlow Cove Hotel yesterday morning. Yeah. Just started my holiday. After tea, I thought I'd take a constitutional along the cliffs. I saw this telescope and I thought I'd have a deco at the bay. Well, it was most extraordinary. Yes, I know you've given one statement to Sergeant Matthews. Uh, uh, would you mind telling it to me again? Nothing to tell, really. I mean, at the time, there didn't seem anything particularly exciting about a dinghy with a man in it fishing. Uh, you know? Just a minute. Uh, did you say fishing? Oh, yes. Yes, I could see that clearly enough. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a surprise when we fished him out of the water and found that somebody had bashed him on the head. I mean, there wasn't anybody near the spot. I know the sergeant looked at me as though I'd had a drink or two because it just didn't seem to make sense. Of course, I recognized him at once. Yes, he was staying at the same hotel. Uh, had you spoken to him? No, not really. I, I saw them in the morning when I checked into the hotel. And then I heard them as I was um, unpacking my things. Heard them? Well, I, I suppose every couple has a row now and again. Not that I know much about it being a bachelor. Oh? <laughs> uh, you heard Stephen Mannering quarreling with his wife? Yes, it was a bit embarrassing for me. You know, these modern hotels are walls of the thinnest cardboard. Well, I didn't want to eavesdrop. Well, there seemed to be three of them, really, all having to go at each other. His brother... Just a minute, Mr. Scott. You said he and his wife and his brother. Oh, yes. So I'm sure it was his brother. They all seemed to be having to go at each other. Could you hear what it was about? As I say, I wasn't paying much attention... Something to do with shares. I could hear something about accountants and divorce. Divorce, you say? Yes, yes, I heard that distinctly. I decided then I should, well, I should go downstairs. I didn't hear anything that might be of any help to you, I'm afraid. Thank you, Mr. Scott. Uh, what happened when you rushed to get assistance? Well, I ran as fast as my feet would carry me to the jetty. Luckily, Mr. Mr. Hayes was there with his boat. So I jumped in and we, we went after him. If you say he fell out of the dinghy, he might have been drained by now. Ah, oh, I can see the dinghy, but I can't see any sign of Mannering. Are you sure it was Mannering? No, I couldn't see his face or anything. It's that funny kind of duffel coat he was wearing at the hotel this morning. Well, keep your eyes peeled. Here, what's that? That's him. It is Mannering. Here, grab that coat. Ah, good. Water must have been quite buoyant to have kept him afloat, wouldn't it? No, Mr. Scott. He was dead before he went into the sea. Otherwise, his lungs would have filled with water and he'd have drowned. Now, it's a lucky chance that you happened to watch the incident through this telescope. Well, thank you, Mr. Scott. Let's get back to the police car and I'll drop you at the hotel. was as puzzled as the criminal investigation department of the Devon police. Here was a dinghy in the middle of the bay with no other boat in sight, if Mr. Scott could be relied upon. And yet, this extraordinary mystery develops. We know he was killed before he fell into the water. The local police surgeon said someone had given him a tremendous blow and cracked his skull. But how? Who? Yet the witness is absolutely convinced that there was nobody near the place. I decided to start with Scott's interesting story of the quarrel. It'll all come out. I'm so ashamed. So 
Sergeant Matthews has just rung me. Oh? What about? Oh, well, you'll know it too very soon. We were staying here at this hotel as husband and wife, but we weren't legally married. Oh. That didn't mean anything. Stephen and I couldn't get married. But we loved each other. His wife wouldn't give him a divorce? Oh, she couldn't care less about him. It was my husband that put a spanner in the works. Who is your husband? Alan Phillips. He calls himself an actor, although he hasn't had a part since last Christmas. He's a ham, my husband, on the stage as well as in real life. When I told him that I wanted a divorce, he put on an act, talking about marriage being a sacred contract, never to be dissolved and all that. So Stephen and I thought, well, if we can't go to the registry office, we just have to do without it. Doesn't make any difference to me. I see. Now, what happened to you yesterday morning? Stephen's brother turned Name? Up Derek. Hmm. Came to see the horror of his brother living in sin on holiday. I understand you all quarreled. Understand. You mean all the nosy parkers in the hotel were listening with their ears glued to the keyhole. Yes, we quarreled. There was Derek, the pillar of society, threatening to throw Stephen out of the family business unless he went back to his wife. And your husband, uh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Mannering. You may well ask. A hundred times he used to swear he'd make any sacrifice for me and that miserable little crawler actually considered going back to his wife. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? I'm sorry. But don't you see now he's being killed? Don't you see where it leaves me? What it makes me? Have you any idea who killed him? No. Yes, I have. Why should I shield him? Stephen's father made a peculiar will. The shares of the company won't go outside the family, should one of the three shareholders, that is, the mother, Derek Mannering and Stephen, die without leaving children. Then the shares would have to go to the remaining members of the family. And Stephen Mannering has no children. That's right. So his shares will go to Derek and the mother. Quite a coincidence, don't you think, Inspector? I see what you're getting at, Mrs. Mannering. Or, rather, I should call you... What's your married name? Phillips. Yeah. Uh, tell me something about your movements yesterday, Mrs. Phillips. Stephen said he was going fishing. Uh, what happened to the brother? He wouldn't even stay for lunch. Went off with a triumphant grin on his face. Because Stephen had agreed to go back to his wife? Hmm? Yes. He said he'd go fishing. He hired a dinghy belonging to this hotel. And what did you do then? Me? I, I stayed here in this room. Uh, how long? I really don't know. You mustn't ask me these questions, Inspector. Say for an hour or so. First, I wanted to leave here immediately. I'd already written a letter to Stephen, but then I tore it up and thought I'd have another chat with him when he came back. So I waited in the hotel lounge. I had a couple of drinks at the bar there. The barman will confirm that. Then I went to the terrace and read my book. Uh, Mr. Scott happened to see the empty boat just after tea. Do you remember what you were doing at that time? Yes, I was here on the terrace. Doing anything in particular? Reading a book. Now listen, Inspector. Now let's not cross verbal swords, madam. I'm only trying to get to the core of the mystery. Your husband, or rather the man you wanted for your husband, has had his skull cracked and his body thrown into the sea. You'd like us to find the person who did it, wouldn't you? Of course I would. I know I said the nasty things about him. Did you make it? I did love him. My whole world is not pretending. Will you go back to your husband? No. I don't know where I'll go, but I certainly won't go back to my husband. Well, when do you propose to leave? Well, there's nothing here, is there? I thought of going back to London tomorrow. Well, I wonder if you'd kindly stay here at Marlow until, say, tomorrow night. Might want to get in touch with you again. Yes, that's all right. I won't run away. I wouldn't know who to run to. Thank you. Oh, Mr. Scott, oh, I'd forgotten you were next door. Uh, do you mind if I have another word with you? Yeah, by all means, sir. Uh, I'd like to come into my room. Well, if you don't mind. Would you like a drink? I'll keep my own private supply. Uh, no, thanks. 
fact of the matter is that I can't get over this business of you seeing a dinghy in your telescope and mannering fishing and, and then he disappears. Oh, you mean there must have been another man there to crack him on the skull? Precisely. Now, let's pinpoint it. Did you traverse the telescope from side to side? Yes, yes. And then you suddenly saw that dinghy coming along? That's right, yes. Mm -hmm. it, it just came round Brooker's head, sailing across the bay. And there was just one man in the boat? Yes. <laughs> Couldn't another person have been hidden by the sail? Well, I suppose it would have been possible. Mind you, I didn't pay much attention to it. Well, at least this is something. I don't believe in miracles or conjuring tricks. <sighs> no, no. If you saw Mannering in the eye of your telescope and in the next few seconds he isn't there, you'd have seen any other occupant of the dinghy. <sighs> I don't know. Man has his head smashed in while alone in a little dinghy crossing the bay. <laughs> doesn't make sense, does it, Mr. Scott? No, I suppose it doesn't. Now, look, Inspector, I'm no sailor, but couldn't he have knocked his head against something on the boat? I mean, those sailing boats have all sorts of masts and things that's swinging about in the air. No, Mr. Scott, after my discussion with Sergeant Matthews and the police surgeon, we know that Mannering was brutally hit over the head with such force that it couldn't have been an accident. Now, is, is there nothing else you can think of? Now, wait a moment. Yes? Well, on the other side of the bay... Well? Yes. There was a car, a black car. I'm not sure about it. Just had a glimpse of it. You say it was the other side of the bay. Yes, now, how would right. you know it was a black car? Have to be a powerful telescope. Well, it's only a small bay. Yes, fair enough. Yeah, wait a moment. The other side of the bay. If we were here three years ago. Isn't it all marshland over there? Doesn't a road lead from the village to that point? Yes. I haven't been over there yet. But according to the local guide, it's known as Dead Man's Point. Were we really onto something? Or was the dramatic name, Dead Man's Point, influencing my desperate search for a clue? Whatever my reasoning, I decided to concentrate on that aspect. Uh, look, Sergeant Matthews, I know you haven't got a large force in a small place like this, but Dead Man's Point must have some significance. Why is it called that? Well, I believe at the time of the Armada, they found a dead Spanish sailor there. Well, what do you want us to do, sir? Well, Scott says he saw a black car. Rather a sticky place to drive a car. The road peters out, and all there is is a marsh. All the more reason. Uh, find out if anybody's been seen in a car like that. Check the petrol station in the village. A small place like this, every stranger's conspicuous. Uh, see whether anybody was, was here who attracted the attention of the people in the village. Right, sir. Try the pub. Try the verger at the church. Lots of people visit the old church. Well, you know, the usual routine. Uh, yes, sir, I'll do that, sir. While the local sergeant set in motion the questioning of the villagers, I got through to London and invoked the aid of operations. Now, this is what I want you to do, Ops. I want you to get through to X Branch. I want you to find out everything concerning the dead man, Stephen Mannering, his wife, or, or rather, a Mrs. Edith Phillips, who had been living with him, her estranged husband, Alan Phillips, apparently an unsuccessful actor, and the dead man's brother, Derek. Very good, sir. How's the inquiry going? Oh, it isn't at all at the moment. Oh, we have one slight lead that might get us somewhere. Still, we've solved cases that seemed worse than this. I get cracking as a good chap. Right, is it? Ah, uh, oh, Sergeant Matthews. Well, I hope you don't mind my sitting in your chair using your phone. Not a bit, sir. Any joy? I think so, sir. 
I find something that might be of use. Good. First of all, the driver of the Newton Abbott bus remembered a passenger he had yesterday morning who came off the London train. Mm -hmm. It was a woman, and he said she was a bit strange-like. Oh? The way she was dressed, he said. She wore flat shoes, or a large hat, and a suit which, so he said, must have been 20 years out of fashion. Huh, that's interesting. Go well, on. Apparently, the woman made inquiries about where to find the Marlowe Cove Hotel. But when she got off the bus, she made straight for Hatton's garage and hired a car. Uh -huh. She also inquired about a boarding house where she could stay. And Hatton mentioned Mrs. Mackenzie, who takes in boarders. I see. Well, the long and short of it all is that she did turn up at Mrs. Mackenzie's, took a room, paid for three days in advance, and then set off in Hatton's car, which is a black saloon. Ah. She returned the car early in the evening, and Hatton said she'd only done about 12 miles. She took the bus back to Newton Abbott, and that was the last anyone saw of her. Well, didn't she go back to this Mrs. McKenzie? No, sir. She didn't leave any luggage behind, but you see, sir... There's a gleam in your eyes, Sergeant Matthews. What is it? Well, sir, Hatton said that when this woman returned the car to him, the wheels were caked with mud. Mud, eh? And the only muddy place we have round here is that marshy bit on Dead Man's Point. That's interesting, Matthews. Very interesting. I'll wager my non-existent bowler hat to that telescope on Marlow Cliffs that Mrs. McKenzie will have some rather vital bits of information. Mind you, Inspector, I don't know that I can help you, but she certainly was a mysterious guest. Why mysterious, Mrs. McKenzie? Well, she comes here saying she wants to spend three days painting, pays her money in advance, and then disappears without as much as saying, thank you, but I've got to return home rather unexpectedly or something. Do you not think that's rather strange, Inspector? Oh, I certainly do. Tell me, when she came to stay, did she look at the room? Look at the room? She just sat here for a few minutes, lugged her suitcase out again... Just a minute. Why did you say lugged? Oh, because I could hardly lift it when I tried to give her a hand. I see. A painter's palette and easel isn't all that heavy. Or neither a woman's clothes, which she may have had in it. And so the $64 question is, what was she carrying in that suitcase? Can you describe the woman for us, Mrs. McKenzie? Oh, aye. She was about six feet tall, a little on the stout side. She wore a rather flowery hat, a muffler. And that dress of hers it was a two-piece that must have been made before Sergeant Matthews here was born. Hmm. What was her voice like? Was it a sort of high-pitched, squeaky voice? You mean it might have been a man dressed as a woman? Yes, madam. There are scores of cases where... Well, let's not indulge in idle conjecture. Did you see her drive off? Aye, I saw her drive the car round the corner. But from there, she may have gone anywhere. Tell me, why do you want to know all this, Inspector? Is it anything to do with the dead man they found the day before yesterday? Someone told me that his wife was staying at the Marlowe Cove Hotel. But they say she isn't really his wife. I'm sorry, I can't tell you anything about it. Now, thank you very much for your information. Uh, come on, Matthews, we've got to go now. Maybe some news from operations. Derek Mannerin caught the 8 a.m. fast train to Newton Abbott. He is known to have returned on the 1.30, arriving Paddington 4.20. Oh, well, that lets him out. We know that the man was alive at that time. What about Edith Phillips? Interesting point, dear sir. Yes? It's known that she created a disturbance at the Green Lantern restaurant four weeks ago. She was arrested for striking Derek Mannerin with a bottle and was bound over the following morning to keep the peace. Anything else? What about her husband? Yeah, the local manor says there's nothing known against him except he's heavily in debt in the district. The local publican and wine merchants say that they refused him credit. Right. Anything else? Uh, nothing further, sir.
Okay, thank you. Oh, if you need me urgently, I'll be back at the yard tomorrow. I think I'd better have a word with the estranged husband. Uh, Mr. Phillips, I'm a police officer. May I come in? Yes, of course. Thank you. Oh, through here, please. Oh. oh. And what can I do for you? Is it something to do with the death of Stephen Mannering? Oh, you know about it? Of course, it was in yesterday's paper. Do sit down. Thank you. You knew Mannering, I understand. Oh, yes, I knew him. My wife and I met him in Yugoslavia last year. When did you last see him? Months ago. I can't really recall the date. Oh, yes, it was at um, it was some party in our club, the, the, the underwater club. And since then, you haven't seen or heard of him? You no, know, I haven't. What about your wife? Has she been in touch with him? Now, look here, Inspector. You said you're investigating the case. You must have found out by now that my wife has left me and is living with him. So why ask these questions? All right, then. So there's no need to beat about the bush. What did you do when you heard that your wife was leaving you for Mannering? Yeah, but that was a bad job, Inspector. A wife who can do that to her husband after 15 years of marriage isn't worth bothering about, don't you agree? You didn't make any effort to get your wife back, then? Well, uh, I wrote to her. I even rang her, but it was no good. To be quite honest, Inspector, it had happened several times before, and I, I've always taken her back. This time I'd had enough. I've got to draw the line somewhere. Right. But I wouldn't be wrong in saying that the death of Stephen Mannering didn't upset you unduly. Of course you wouldn't be. Well, what did you expect me to do? Die of a broken heart because that so-and-so had kicked the bucket? I never did like the man. All right, Mr. Phillips. I'd just like to know from you what you were doing last Tuesday. Tuesday? Let's see. I, I didn't go out at all. I was here all the time. I stayed here from Monday night until Wednesday morning. You see, I've got a part in a new play. I was learning some of the lines. What's the play called? Summer's End. One of these kitchen sink dramas. But it, it's quite a good play, really. And what about food? What about a charwoman? Well, I had all the food I needed in the fridge. The, the charwoman comes in twice a week on Mondays and Thursday mornings. So there's nobody who can confirm that you were actually here in this flat on Tuesday? No, I'm afraid not. But one normally doesn't always have to prepare an alibi, does one, Inspector? No, of course not. Well, this picture on the mantelpiece, that's you, isn't it? Yes, that was taken while I was in the Navy. Ah, you're a frogman, weren't you? That's right. Now, look here, Mr. Phillips. On the day Stephen Mannering was killed, a strange woman appeared in the village. Uh, from the description, it may appear. I say it may, mind you, that she wasn't a woman at all, but a man dressed up as a woman. Now, for an actor, it'd be quite easy to do that, wouldn't it? It's steady. Now, hear me out. We got a very good description from the owner of the boarding house where that woman took a room. And I must say that the description fits you perfectly, Mr. I Phillips. don't know what she's told you, but this is preposterous. How could that woman's description possibly fit me? It's a very good description, Mr. Phillips. I put it to you that you took the night train to Newton Abbott. Then you took the bus to Marlow where Mannering and your wife were staying. Knowing Stephen Mannering was fond of sailing, you watched for an opportunity to kill him while he was actually in a boat. Rubbish! There isn't the slightest grain of truth in it. Isn't there? When you saw that Mannering had taken a dinghy out from the Marlow Cove Hotel, you took your diving equipment, which you'd brought from London. Uh, what did you have in the case, Mr. Phillips? Oxygen bottles? Well, this is quite interrupt me, Mr. Phillips. You then drove the car you'd hired from Hatton's garage to Dead Man's Point. When you saw Mannering sailing across the bay, you put on your diving outfit, swam underwater to his boat, knocked him over the head and pulled him into the water, correct? It's all lies. I wasn't near the place. I... I didn't even know Edith was there with him. I, I told you, I, I'd been here in the flat all the time. Mind if I search your flat? I haven't got a warrant, but I can easily get one. A sergeant could why be here. Do you, why do you want to search my flat? Well, 
I'd expect to find an olive green muffler, a flowery hat with a broad brim and a bow, and a woman's two-piece costume. All right, you win. I loved Jesus. She was more than my whole life. No matter what she'd done to me, all I wanted was to get her back. I thought that once Mannering was dead, she, she might... Uh, don't you understand, Inspector? The, the thought that she was living with this man drove me mad. It, it's like the last line of a play. Right, Inspector, you've solved your case. Have you got your handcuffs ready? I don't think that'll be necessary, Mr. Phillips. Just pack a few things, come with us to the station, and I propose to charge you with the willful murder of Stephen Lanny. Uh, you were very sure of me, weren't you? I suppose you knew I'd killed him all along. Good heavens, no. You were suspect, obviously. But you gave yourself away. You made a silly mistake. Well, listeners... What was Alan Phillips' foolish mistake? Did you spot it? Not sure? Well, listen to the commercial, and I'll be back to tell you. I know this is your favorite program, love, but uh, shouldn't you be baking four tomorrow's birthdays? There's no hurry. I'm taking the easy way. I'm baking four maple cakes in one batch. Four maples? You mean they're all going to be the same? Same light, fluffy texture, same moist flavor, yes. But they'll have different frostings and fillings. You know, chocolate, orange... I know, you're trying to blind me with domestic science. <laughs> it's very simple. I'm making my usual foolproof maple margarine cake four times, that's all. Maple has its own light blending texture that gives you light-hearted confidence cake after cake. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right with pure light-textured maple margarine. No doubt about it, maple margarine, a truly great product. Well, listeners, did you notice how Phillips gave himself away? If you remember, I told Phillips... Now, hear me out. We've got a very good description from the owner of the boarding house where that woman took a room... And I must say that the description fits you perfectly, Mr. Phillips. I don't know what she's told you, but this is preposterous. Now, how could that woman's description possibly fit me? See it now? How did Phillips know that the owner of the boarding house was a woman? I never said so. It was a foolish mistake, wasn't it? One for which he paid dearly, since he was sentenced to life imprisonment, as he deserved to be. Oh, the moral of the story... Never go fishing when there's a skin diver about. You'll never know who is on the other end of the line. Good night. The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter and Niblet Cheese Twists with Hugh Rouse as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our epic casebook. <laughs> <laughs>